0: Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast. With me as always, my co-host Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, how you doing?
1: Things are going pretty well. Uh, there's been quite a bit that's transpired since last we met. Um few games have been played, had the all-star break, had a uh, draft, we've got a bunch of new players in the organization, and uh, a number of promotions, so there's a lot to go over this week.
0: Yeah, and uh, I feel like I have to apologize a little bit uh, on the last show that we were on, I uh, indicated we would do two shows on draft week, and I was close, <laughs> I only missed it by two.
1: We just t- should have taken the under if you were betting on it <laughs> in Vegas.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, due to some uh, circumstances outside our control, we were not able to do a show. So uh, we're hoping to make up for it a little bit. We're going to be talking a lot about the draft uh, on this one, um, about who we took, um, who we liked, um, who we didn't like. Though I don't, I don't think there's anybody I didn't like. Just uh, (laughs)
1: just
0: some, (laughs) some I don't. I I
1: hate him.
0: You can tell it's already the worst pick ever, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, and and we're not going to go ahead and do our usual team by team recap, mostly just because they only played three games last week. So, so if you want a a more in depth analysis of those three games, feel free to check out outfieldflyrule.com, where our written uh, farm report is located. But we did want to uh, point out a few. Uh, High performers uh, for this last week. Uh, Matt, uh, Cody Milligan came back off the uh, IL and he'd been there since late April. Um, Had a good weekend.
1: Yes, he did. uh, Three multi-hit games right off the bat and got back to his same aggressive style that he's always played. Uh, Really good weekend for him, and he was already off to a really strong start before he got injured. I don't know if you ever heard the the story of how he got injured, but uh, he related on the uh, Mississippi Braves podcast that uh, after a a tough out he had made uh, in a game, he uh, went to the dugout, threw his bat, and it rebounded and hit his knuckle and busted it, and that's what has kept him on the injured list for this time.
0: Uh, the, uh, we you know, uh, somewhere, uh, smiling proudly.
1: <laughs> his, his proud legacy has continued, but, uh, doesn't, at least it didn't go quite as badly as that, but, uh, yeah, he, he's come back and he's, uh, off to a quick start. And, um, he also stated during the podcast, he will continue to play center field as well as some, as some, uh, second base to keep his, uh, versatility intact, which creates a pretty big log jam. Uh, in Mississippi. I don't, I don't imagine he'll play a lot of second base, but I mean, that, and as we'll talk about over the course of the podcast, that, I mean, middle infield is a complete logjam right now, starting at Gwinnett. And we'll see if that continues after August 1st, but <laughs> as of right now, it's, there, I mean, there's some folks that are kind of probably deserving promotions who aren't getting them because there's nowhere for them to go.
0: Right. We, and yeah, as a reminder, um, we are 15 days out of. As of this recording, from the trade deadline, and I imagine August first, things will look a little bit different on the farm. Um, I'd have no idea who would be traded, but uh, in the big league club, there is some bullpen openings now, thanks to unfortunately some key injuries, uh, specifically to setup men Nick Anderson and AJ Minter. You know, two two guys that were really shouldering a big load so far this year.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how serious they are, but it's probably not the worst thing in the world for them some rest at this point in the season. Now, the problem is, how do you fill those innings up? And there, there's some guys down in the minors who are kind of trying to make a name for themselves, uh, obviously. Uh, one guy uh, who hit the promotion list this week, Dazebo Hernandez, was promoted from Mississippi to Gwinnett, and he made his first appearance for Gwinnett on Sunday and tossed a scoreless inning and struck out, two, So he's off to a good start there, and that's after an not having allowed a single run during his entire tenure at Mississippi. So it might be a name worth keeping an eye on here over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, another guy that might get an opportunity, uh, Grant Holmes uh, with Gwinnett here. I mean, seems like uh, he's really done nothing (laughs) at Gwinnett except get a lot of guys out. Uh, He's, I guess, the de facto closer there now.
1: Yeah, I think he kind of took over that role once uh, Yaxel Rios was uh, tra- traded over to uh, Oakland. But yeah, and he's just been kind of sterling ever since then. I mean, he's got the pedigree that uh, Alex Anthopoulos loves. I mean, he's a f- former first round pick who uh, kind of reinvented himself mid career and wondering if he might get a shot here, not too distant future, at least to kind of help fill in some innings until the end of the month when I'm sure they'll make a deal for more established reliever.
0: Yeah, and I think almost certainly they are going to make such a deal. I mean, it, it, it's, it seems unlikely that the Braves will stand pat, even though they don't have a whole lot of quote-unquote holes on their team.
1: Yeah, it's just right now with all the injuries, I mean, there's it's Rysel Iglesias and then a pretty big drop-off after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, and... Um, some guys kind of farther down in the organization uh, wanted to point out, first of all, um, there was a three promotions this past week. Um, Tyler Owens uh, and is moving from Rome to Mississippi. And then coming up from Augusta, two guys that we've been talking about a lot over the last couple of weeks, uh, Jorge Batista and Spencer Schwellenbach moving on up to Rome. Well, we're Moving on now. Moving on.
1: Schwellenbach wasn't really surprised. I think we kind of called that a little bit. It's like once he was announced for the Futures game, there's no reason for him to go back to low A after appearing in the Futures game. So that was a good uh, stopping point for him to move on up to uh, high A room.
0: Yeah, it, we just posted on our Twitter account uh, the top performers to date for um, for all the different levels. And the Augusta list literally is everybody except for one person it's been moved up to Rome already. <laughs> so uh, it And that one person is Justin Janice, who was our OFR position player of the week. Uh, he has a three-game streak, of multi, a multi-hit game uh, streak going right now. He's leading the Carolina League in hits, and he is second in batting average. Um, yeah, and quite frankly, I'm not sure what's keeping him in Augusta, Um, I did finally go to Augusta, uh, the weekend before last. And, uh, I can tell you just, just, if I was just judging purely on hit tools, uh, Janice would probably be the only one I would currently give anything over like a 30 right now.
1: Yeah. And even then he doesn't have a lot of power, but I mean, he can pop some extra base hits and, um, at least be productive in that sense. But, obviously Augusta will be getting some reinforcements in the not too distant future with all the uh, recent college draftees.
0: Hey everybody this is future, future Andy. Andy. As in the process of editing this uh, we did receive word Justin Janice has been in fact pr- been promoted to Rome so congratulations uh, Justin Janus, uh for moving on up. Now back to your previously recorded program. Yeah I, I don't know what the timing of that is going to be. The, The Braves tend to be pretty aggressive with that on that first, you know, that first couple months after signing. I suspect everybody eventually will start in the FCL, but some of those guys will move really quickly up into uh, Augusta, and um, you know, especially some of the position, the college position players, which they, except for one, they all were.
1: Yeah, I mean, there'll be guys that might get a a cup of coffee in the FCL. They might be down there for a week and move along.
0: (laughs) Right. In Rome, let's talk a little bit about Nacho Alvarez, who is kind of uh, almost by default now, I think, the consensus top position player, at least in the Braves organization. He continues to hit well. He's hit well pretty much all season long. And then just in the past few weeks, he's really starting to hit for power as well. I think we talked a little bit about uh, that probably happening at some point, and it looks like then is now.
1: Yeah, he's had uh, a really good stretch here. Uh, since June 1st, he's batting three twenty one with a three ninety five on base. Not a surprise there since he's been getting on base all year long, but he's got a five hundred slugging since June 1st uh, with nine doubles and five home runs and driven in 20 runs over the last six weeks. So it's a, a pretty nice. Uh, it's like he's finding his groove now, but like we were talking about a second ago, uh, there's really nowhere for him to go, so they're going to have to – Clear out some room for him to be able to get promoted up to Mississippi.
0: Yeah, and you know he could play set, uh, shortstop or he could play third base. He's played a little second base as well. I I imagine they'll want to keep him at shortstop uh, for no other reason than to keep his trade value high. But um, and but he's been playing there pretty well, so. I don't know. Obviously, Cal Conley's the incumbent shortstop at Mississippi. Well, He's well I'd having, say
1: Luke, and Luke Waddell's getting a good bit of time. I mean, between the two of them, they're getting a lot of time. And then, and then Cody Milligan getting his occasional starts at second base.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that'll be more than once a week. Yeah. Right? You know, they – they that on the other hand, the, Bra- the Mississippi Braves, they essentially don't have a third baseman right now. It's – you know, between Lugbauer being out at first, Cade Benell's playing a lot of first base along with Landon Stevens. There's a lot of people that are just kind of...
1: Hudson Huds
0: Hudson pots just filling in at positions. And none of them none of them are, you know, outside of maybe Waddell as someone that I would call a quote-unquote prospect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, middle infield is absolutely stacked right now, but third base throughout the organization, not so much.
0: Right. I mean, I I wouldn't let any of those guys keep Alvarez from being promoted, you know, and if and if Waddell needs to, you know, if you need to move Alvarez to third base, then do it. But he needs to be challenged uh, with higher level pitching at this point. And this is we're recording this on Monday night, Tuesday, before the game start on Tuesday is when they typically make a lot of moves. So all this may be academic when, you know, 24
1: hours. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the issues is going to be when he gets to Mississippi. Of course, it's not exactly a hitter's park, so it's going to be good and interesting to see how his uh, newfound power stroke will keep up. I mean, if he can put any kind of power together, he's going to rock it up the organization. It could very well be what top five prospect in the organization at the end of the season.
0: I think he's already there, uh, just just for me personally. But um, and keep in mind. Rome is also one of the worst hitting parks. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> baseball too. It's not. It's not like you're, you're going from the California League to the you know to Death <laughs> Valley either. Right. So, yeah. So those are kind of the players we're keeping an eye on right now as we are moving toward inexorably toward the trading deadline. Um, let's um, let's talk a little bit about the draft.
1: Well, it's a 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59 automobile. It's a 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 65,
0: I don't know. First, before we talk about anybody specifically, how do you think? This is, this is obviously the first draft in the post-Dana Brown era, Dana Brown, He ran the 2019 through 2022 drafts, so four drafts. And I think you and I both agree that his tenure as vice president of scouting was a tremendous success.
1: Oh, particularly the 2020 draft. I mean, put that sucker in a frame and put it in the baseball Hall of Fame. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you can tell me, I guess... um, there's no real front man. It doesn't seem now on the, I know Ronit Shaw was um, kind of the face of talking about the draft, but it sounded like it was more of a group effort this time around than it has been over the last few seasons.
0: Yeah. Nevertheless, it looks like the Braves are trending to signing their entire draft class again, which would be the second year in a row for that, which is uh, pretty great. It shows really good planning, um, they were very quick off the blocks as far as signing some of their their top ten picks. I, th- I think they, you know, I think they're the still the only team that has uh, confirmed even uh, signing their top five picks right now. So, uh, so let's let's talk about those picks. Um, the the first overall pick for the Braves was uh, University of Florida right-hander Hurston Waldrop, and uh, he uh, he came in a little. A little underslot uh, by about thirty three hundred thousand dollars, so that they were able to send that down uh, to the rest of the draft. Uh, but the scouting report on Waldrop is really good, I, and I think under more, uh, most circumstances he would have been, you know, a top ten, top fifteen pick in most drafts.
1: Yeah, but there's some very real command issues there, but I don't think they're in any hurry whatsoever. On In fact, he, he may see very little, if any, competitive pitching this season. I mean, he, he might, I'd say he'd probably get a cup of coffee in the FCL just to throw an inning here and inning there. But uh, I'm sure they're going to take him to the labs and put him to work um, overhauling his delivery, but try to keep all this uh, same stuff that he has intact. But, I mean, it's it's a very solid pick, especially for where they're picking in the draft these days.
0: Yeah, and when you you know that that they really like it when you can come into an organization already with a couple of plus pitches, and reportedly his slider is already plus, and the pitch that everybody talks about is that uh, split finger changeup or fort ball or whatever you want to call it. Um, Fangrass had a really Please tell me you I'm have a quote. Yeah, I, I will. I will pull up the quote. Uh, Fangraphs had a, had a really cool uh, analysis of of that pitch, and my favorite line from it is um, "Waldrip splitter or split changer fort ball is a grotesque, hateful thing. It drops ferociously because the very air is disgusted by it." and will not hold it aloft any longer than is necessary.
1: That sort of writing deserves a Pulitzer and a Cy Young. <laughs> yes, uh,
0: that's by Michael Bauman, writing for Fangraphs, and that's it, that was beautiful. I mean, it's, it's almost poetry. So uh, I'm excited to see this atrocious pitch that the air uh, cannot... Um, Cannot bear to hold aloft for very long. <laughs> uh, it, it is reportedly just uh, uh, an enormous strikeout pitch. But it's it's interesting because the Braves, what they typically do when they have uh, a pitcher with a pitch like that is basically take it away from them. I remember um, Spencer Strider coming up, and for the first several levels, he did not throw his, um, his slider at all. He was only fastball changeup, uh, at least through Augusta. And I think he threw a few more sliders in Rome, uh, but they really wanted him to work on his fastball command above everything else. And I suspect there's going to be a similar playbook for Waldrop.
1: Yeah, because these guys at the low-A level are probably not going to have any idea what to do with this pitch anyway, and there's going to be hacking away at everything. So Miles will concentrate on what he does need to work on to help broaden his arsenal and get his command down.
0: Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to speak my truth right here. I've seen low, low, a high, a hitters against even average change-ups and they just corkscrew themselves in the ground. I I'm actually to the point where I'm now actually a little suspicious of pitching prospects that rely on change-ups to get through low, a level, um, which is maybe why I hold back a little bit on on some prospects that have a, you know, have a good changeup. Now, major league hitters have tr- trouble against really good changeups as well, right? So, oh, yeah. it, it it's not necessarily a, you know, it's like oh, he throws a changeup; he's probably not that good of a pitcher or anything like that. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. But if that's what they're primarily throwing, um, then I may be. A little more cautious about their prospects
1: yeah i mean this isn't exactly a uh jared schuster type scenario where his in, in schuster's cases change up is his calling card but he has also got a fastball that barely hits 90 miles an hour so i mean this is a completely different case i mean baldrick can go mid to high 90s and he, I mean, he's got what about four deep arsenal right now of a couple of really plus pitches and a couple more that probably aren't too far away from it
0: yeah there's um you know, fastball, splitter, slider, little bit of a change up, but uh, that didn't – you know, a straight change, but that doesn't seem like a – you know, obviously if you have the the split split change and it's that devastating, you kind of don't care about your straight change, right? So, um, yeah, so I was pretty excited about this pick. Um, I, I they, may, they may be a little slower with them than – Obviously, everybody's slower than Spencer Strider, right? I mean, that was a, you know, he and A.J. smith Shaver j- just rocket up the system, you know, so fast it made another guy who went up the system very fast, and Jared Schuster look like he was standing slow, right?
1: Yeah. Is standing what, slow a thing? Good enough for me. Okay. Uh, one thing that concerned me initially, I mean, before they announced the pick, I thought they might try to uh, go with an underslot pick in the first round to help spread some money around because um, they're working with a, they're working with a considerably less money than they were last season, uh, about $2 million less, and is roughly, I believe about 20% lower pool than they had last year. So they were going to have to be a little more judicious on how they spent that money. If everybody recalls, uh, the Braves made a trade during the draft last year, right before where they got, uh, uh with a competitive balance pick from the Royals in exchange for, um, Andrew Hoffman, C.J. Alexander, and Drew Waters, and that added a considerable amount of money to their draft pool, and they did not have that this year. They did have the comp pick from losing Dansby Swanson that helped out some, but uh, they they had to be a little more careful of how they spend the money.
0: Yeah, well, it, and it turned out the first round was a little under slot, so that – Helped, um, and I think it maybe later down they, they were able to choose some guys with a little bit higher ceiling, maybe had a little bit more leverage. Um, they they did do some senior signs to uh, mitigate the the impact on the draft pool a little bit, but you know it wasn't all that you know basically all through the through the later half of day two. But we're getting our, ahead of ourselves. Um, second overall pick, and this is probably. I don't know. It just seemed like it was the most controversial pick. Um, Drew Hackenberg, uh, right-handed pitcher from Virginia Tech, and and I I can tell you that probably the the controversy is you go to his baseball reference page and you look at his senior or his uh, junior year. I guess I'm sorry. If you look at his last year for Virginia Tech, it's a fairly high ERA. Uh, He allowed a a bunch of guys on base. Uh, But this is a case where it seems like the the stat line scouts um, probably have it wrong. Um, And we know that the Braves at least don't care so much about that. Uh, They are primarily focused on the metrics, that is, you know, how how hard you throw? What is your spin rate? What you know? How often do you miss barrels? How often do you miss bats? You know that sort of thing, and then also um, you know what the scouts are telling them. And apparently, what the scouts are saying is this guy is really that good. Is good enough for that second round pick and for actually a um, over slot bonus.
1: Yeah, and he had a lot of leverage there because he has a draft-eligible sophomore, so he could easily just, like, if he didn't like the offer, it's like, well, I'll just go back in the draft, come back again next year when I'm still a junior and get just a big an offer, if not higher. So uh, they they were kind of forced to uh, throw a little bit of extra at Hackenberg, but uh it appears to be something that uh, could really pan out because, uh, like like we were talking about, I mean, the ERA time, things like that, but we did some digging and found that uh, Eno Saris had retweeted some uh, – college baseball stats from this season uh the stuff plus stat and Hackenberg was really far up the list in fact he was i think barely behind waldrop as far as uh, the, the stuff plus number was concerned so that's a little feather in his cap right there that shows hey we there's some tools here that we can use to try to move him along and develop that arsenal
0: right and uh, uh, as, as you hear from braves development when they speak at all they're always pushing process over what is it? they're pushing process over results right right and Hackenberg's process is fine um, a lot of the a lot of the baseline stats you may see are also apparently uh, impacted by <laughs> reportedly Virginia Tech just having an atrocious infield defense. <laughs> um and this is of course uh hackenberg's a uh, a sinker slider pitcher so he you know relies on getting quick outs getting ground balls converting those ground balls into outs and that last bit was apparently a problem
1: yeah so that's yeah dig a little deeper on some of these guys to see what others see in them but i mean you see a second um, round pick like that. I mean, it definitely was not an under-slot type situation. In fact, whatever money they saved on Waldrop went straight to Hackenberg and then some.
0: Yes. And then in the uh, for the compensatory pick, um, as you mentioned that uh, they got for Dansby Swanson leaving, uh, Cade Kohler uh, was um, chosen in that round, right-handed pitcher out of Campbell University. So um, this is another big stuff guy uh one of the best forcing fastballs that was rated in the draft by most pundits. Uh, pretty good slider. Um, he's already kind of getting some Spencer Strider. Um, comps a little bit with that. Um, violent delivery. And uh, you know, already people wondering if he's gonna have to be a reliever. Um, I believe this is definitely a guy that we're not going to see much of this year. I suspect that he's going to go to the FCL and, um, you know, go through that workshopping process and, and smoothing out that delivery. But the arm talent here seems really high.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, that, that stuff plus list I was looking at, at, uh, he was definitely behind Waldrop and Hackenberg, but he was still on the list. So, um, uh, yeah, there, there was definitely something there. And he was another draft eligible sophomore. So they poured some more money into that slot right there.
0: Yeah, he was pretty much right at slot um, where I think most people, when you hear, okay, so Campbell University, that's, uh, you know, he might be under slot. Nope, he was, he made pretty much right at slot. Right. Uh, third round, we got our first position player drafted, uh, Sabin Sabayos out of the University of Oregon. Uh, he had been a, um, a, a JUCO player uh, drafted by the Angels in the 14th round last year. Uh, instead of signing, he bet on himself, um, enrolled in the University of Oregon, and had a mammoth season at the plate uh, with uh, the Ducks. Uh, hit uh, 333, 426 OBP, and a .643 uh, slugging percentage, 18 homers. And he played third base for Oregon. And, you know, probably the biggest question mark about Sabeos is where he's going to actually end up on the defensive spectrum.
1: Yeah, the team drafted him as a shortstop, but he's played all over the place. He's played third base. He's played some outfield. He even played catcher. <laughs> but uh, it seems like they're going to go for uh, shortstop, at least for the time being. But I'm, I'm wondering if he may grow out of that. I mean, he's only 20 years old, but he's already 6'3", 225. So he may end up growing out of the shortstop position here before too long.
0: Yeah, and who knows? Uh, he may he may end up in nowhere, right? That's what the DH is for. But um, the the hit tool on this guy is what I'm really excited about. Um, I mentioned earlier where you know the hit tools for, especially in their low levels, I'm I'm not really kind of happy about right now. So getting a guy like this, and this is actually a theme I think you see the draft where where Atlanta seems to be trying to address that is actually trying to get guys that can more regularly put the bat on the ball. And Ceballos seems like somebody that could do that, even at the uh, higher level. He's performed well in uh, in collegiate wood bat leagues, summer leagues as well. And I think that's something that the Braves are looking really hard at, uh, especially guys that go to, go to high-end um, wood bat leagues like the uh, Cape Cod League.
1: Yeah, I saw that mentioned with a number of their draftees this year that they attended the Cape Cod League. I know it's a regular stop for a lot of college hitters anyway, but it seemed like this year it was was really a a point of note there. In the case of Bollies, I I mean, I think they're using kind of Nacho Alvarez as a template now. Uh, Let's take some contact hitters and see if we can develop their power, add some loft, add some launch angle to try to get them some more power generated. You'd much rather go that route than take a power hitter and try to turn him to a contact hitter because that rarely, if ever, happens.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I would much rather I would much rather give it a hit guy and develop power than the other way around. It's just, it, like I said, it's, it just rarely happens the other way around. Now, sometimes it just doesn't happen, and I'm looking at the specifically, I'm looking at the recently released Andrew Moritz as a guy you know who came in at the you know, with a really good hit tool and that bore out, you know, he did put the bat on the ball a lot, but just never, you know, a, you know, couldn't, couldn't eat enough cheeseburgers to build up that muscle mass, I guess, to get 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 enough loft on the ball and get it over the, over the fence enough. But I would st- still rather do that than try to get, uh, you know, we've seen so many. Try to, tr-
1: try to turn Drew Lugbauer into a contact hitter.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, or, you know, uh, Or (laughs) you know, there's, and even those guys have more value because at least they know the strike zone and and take their walks. Right. Um, I'm looking, I'm thinking more of, uh, you know, I I don't even want to dwell on it, but but there's, there's been a lot of all power, you know, uh, Braxton Davidson. Okay. There's a recent example, right. Um, where, um, you know, early on it looked like okay, maybe he's going to hit for power. and He'll get on base enough, and he'll be valuable. Um, but if you don't, if you don't make enough contact, there's no chance of you basically walking and homering your way to the majors.
1: No, because I mean, although power is the way the major leagues is going, you've got to have some sort of on base ability. I mean, the, the Joey Gallows of the world are kind of the exception rather than the rule these days. I mean. Uh, although guys like that do tend to get on base via walk sometimes, but you don't want a guy out there hitting two ten and hitting thirty home runs and striking out over two hundred times because that's there's a lot of lost at bats and plate appearances in there.
0: Right, and and Joey Gallo's an excellent hitter. If if you take him and put him in double A, he'd be hitting three twenty. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. He's only a two ten player, two ten hitter in the major leagues because he's facing the best pitchers in the world. Right. All right. Um, So in the fourth and fifth round, the Braves pick up their only two prep uh, draftees and both of them got um, pretty good bonuses. Uh, Let's see. Uh, The fourth round pick uh, Garrett Ballman, right-handed pitcher out of Haggerty high school in Florida. Um, picked up a $747,500 bonus. That's about, um, that's a little over $200,000 overslot. And then Isaiah Drake uh, was the fifth round pick outfielder out of North Atlanta high school um, had exactly the same bonus. And that was uh, almost a uh, $400,000 overslot. So, we're not talking you know million dollar plus bonuses here but there that's a still pretty good uh chunk of change uh to uh, high schoolers um uh, that are drafted in the fourth and fifth round it reminds me a lot of the AJ Shaver pick from two years ago which was kind of a similar situation
1: right I believe uh Drake had a commitment to Georgia Tech if I remember right and yes I'm not, I'm not sure where Bowman had his too but you gotta you gotta pop me up if you want to buy him out of those I'm sorry what's that
0: central florida
1: oh yeah so but you gotta have money to bomb out those commitments because they do have options at that age
0: yes they do and now ballman's an interesting guy because a high schooler that's six foot eight already and 245 pounds um first of all makes you wonder why he's not playing offensive lineman (laughs) uh but power (laughs) power forward uh has a fastball sits in the low 90s already um the Braves, I don't know, they have a mixed record as far as uh, ironing out uh, large body pitchers, right? Um, there's been a few that have made their way up, probably the most recent and, uh, you know, high high uh, visibility one has been Kyle Moeller, right? Um, and we'll see if Ballman kind of follows on a similar path where, you know, they really took their time with, with uh, Moeller before he was uh, traded to Oakland in the uh, – In the uh, Sean Murphy trade, but um, Bauman has that same kind of upside, I think.
1: Yeah, and with with being six foot eight, I mean, he's got a lot of moving parts there. I mean, and of course, at the other end of the spectrum, you have somebody like Chad Sabatka,
0: which. Right.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, those are the kind of two extremes there. And, I mean, you had big guys also like uh, Sean Newcomb in the past who had his command issues as well. But Baumann's young. I mean, he's 18. There's absolutely no hurry. I don't. I doubt we'll see him do much of anything this season. And um, they'll probably just stick him in the lab and leave him there until uh, next spring. And even then, I mean, next season he may only be in the FCL. I don't even know if he'll make it the full-season ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suspect it'll be. Well, it's not, not
1: early on, at least. I mean, it might be kind of an extended spring training type situation.
0: Yeah, this is one of those situations where I think it's a shame that they got rid of that rookie level, that high rookie level. Oh, thing. yeah. You know, this is – he he screamed someone that would probably spend a year in Danville, you know, in, in 2025 or 2024.
1: Now it'll just be probably kicking around New uh, Northport for a while.
0: yeah. And then Isaiah Drake, he's already been tagged with an 80-grade speed in the scouting scale. Um, uh, defensively, he looks like he's probably going to be a, a fine defensive outfielder. Um, the question is just um, how, how quickly is he going to be able to, to develop with the bat? Um, we've recently seen a, a player a little bit like this drafted, uh, though probably not with this kind of upside in, uh, in uh, Tyler Collins. And at least so far, that hasn't really panned out, uh, I think, the way the Braves were hoping. Um, Last year was kind of a lost season for him. This year in Augusta, he's you can't say he's been too inspiring. Uh, But Drake certainly seems to have uh, more power potential, um, even though they both have that kind of 80-grade speed going.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's good to have an elite tool you can use to kind of build off of. But, I mean, it, they're not expecting anything from him. Like, I mean, they're not saying, oh, you need to be in the major leagues in a year or two. No, I mean, he might be there and there for several years, or, of course, he could always hit that big trajectory. But, I mean, they, I think having that elite 80-speed tool is, is something you can work off of and build from there. And I think, I think this is a very intriguing project.
0: Yeah, um, it may be my favorite pick of the whole draft, but um, we'll see. All right. And then we go into sixth round. Uh, So our first senior sign, uh, Lucas Braun, right-hand pitcher out of Cal State Northridge. Um, It's funny, this this wasn't like the first of a string of of senior signs. There was uh, another um, junior that was picked later on. So it seems to me like they really actually wanted this guy. And looking at his background a little bit, I think I can see why Uh, the video I see of him is a very good looking four seamer and slider mix. And at the very least, it looks like he could be a force in the, in a bullpen somewhere, but I think they're going to keep him in a rotation. Um, This feels very much like a, like a Tanner Gordon situation. You know, a guy that they're looking at maybe as a As a strong organizational pitcher and maybe more.
1: Yeah, and that's what you tend to see out of these 6th through 10th round picks is that they go very underslot on these players in order to use that money elsewhere because it's your last chance to really save money. So you tend to see a lot of, for the most part, seniors. I'm not not saying exclusively so, but uh, in this case, uh, primarily it looks like they did that again. But these are guys who are going to fill in a lot of holes for Augusta next season.
0: Yeah, and then 7th round, uh, Justin Long, this is another – uh, type of player the Braves seem to really like, and that is a low-mileage arm. Uh, we saw this with uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, right, who, um, you know, came late to pitching. Uh, we saw A.J. Sh- AJ smith Shaver didn't start pitching until his senior year of high school. Uh, Justin Long was a catcher at Rice for his first two years and then converted to the mound and um, struck out uh, 38 in 21 games, so um, has a... Uh, mid-90s uh, fastball, and, um, you know, it, his stuff, his, his off-speed stuff isn't going to make anybody go wow, but he does seem like he has a strong arm, and this could be someone that's a fun project for Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, generally, in this 6th to 10th round ranger you're just getting a bunch of senior types, but in this case, I think they found somebody. It's like, hey, this guy's got some possibility to develop here, so I, th- I, like, to, I like to pick myself.
0: yeah. And then in the 8th through 10th rounds, we got senior signs. Um, we got right-handed pitcher Corey Wall from uh, William & Mary. Um, pretty good performer. Um, had a forcing fastball, low 90s, and a, a slider. So I think this is a another theme that you see here, low 90s fastball and slider as kind of the platform uh, that they're hoping to build on. And then in the ninth round, uh, Riley Goins out of the University of Illinois, very similar four seamer, low nineties, and a slider um, has kind of a has kind of a low three quarters gives him a little bit of deception there, um, but this looks like um, looks like someone that could either fit in a rotation or a uh, or a bullpen here pretty soon. Yeah. And in the tenth round, an- another outfielder from the. Southern Illinois is our, um, I guess our mandatory pick from Canada that we are doing now every year.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so not even a pitcher.
0: No, it's not a pitcher this time. Uh, it is from Quebec again. So joining, uh, Cedric de Grand Prix, um, is, uh, Pierre Oliver Boucher, um, from University of Southern Illinois by way of St. George LaBoche in and Quebec
1: left-handed <laughs> hitting outfielder. Uh, I mean it's a senior sign but I mean they're going to need some spots to fill in in the outfield in Augusta next season and Boucher could easily slot into one of those areas.
0: Yep. Um it's another another hit tool guy. Uh hit 328 with um a 417 o- OBP for uh Southern um Southern Illinois, so um you you never know about those guys. All right. Moving on to day three here. Uh, So one of the, one of the ones we aren't sure if they've signed or not, uh, Jace Grady, who's a senior out of Dallas Baptist university. This is a Dallas Baptist is kind of a baseball factory, right? Um, you know, we, uh, you know, uh, we've tapped Dallas Baptist university quite a bit. Bryce ball. Bryce ball was the latest one from that. Right. Um, in this case, uh, Grady hit um, over the course of his years at um, at uh, Dallas Baptist 310, 411, 509, 26 home runs. So, an- another hit tool guy. The the thing about Grady though is his size. He's only five foot nine. Um, you know, so you know when you say, "Well, maybe we can develop power," I don't know how much power they're going to get. <laughs> Uh, from, from Mr. Grady, but he, he might be a, a leadoff type, you know, regardless of how fast he is.
1: Yeah. I mean, those kind of guys are needed throughout every organization. So that's not a, I mean, not everybody that's of that stature ends up being Jose Jose Altuve or Oz Sometimes you need some guys who can field play all three outfield spots and, uh, maybe run a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, the number 12 pick was Brady Day. He's another Cape Cod guy. in fact, I just saw today he was named to the uh, this year's uh, Cape Cod All-Star team. So uh, congratulations to Mr. Day. Um, second baseman, but he's also he's basically played all over. Um, second base is probably his best spot but he's played short. he's played third. he's played first, he's played outfield um, and he's coming from Kansas State University. Uh, so probably a utility option, right? Um, they, The Braves definitely value versatility. So he's a guy that can probably move up through the organization simply through his hit tool and by being versatile. Yep. Now, number 13, I think, is a little bit more interesting than maybe the other day three guys. Uh, th- third baseman, though he's played some other infield, uh, Will Verdung, uh, he's a JUCO guy um, that – uh, you know, he had had a single season school record this past year with uh, 15 home runs, hit .389 uh, with uh, Itwamba Junior College. Um, but he also really did well in the collegiate wood bat leagues. Most recently, with uh, High Point Thomaston, not too far south of Atlanta, um, in the uh, Coastal Plain League. Uh, he continued hitting well there, and this—it's just like it doesn't seem like aluminum or wood bat. This guy's just going to hit wherever he's going to wherever he goes.
1: Yeah, in fact, he had a, a, a commitment to Southern Mississippi, which is uh, a emerging power school um, in the Sun Belt Conference. But uh, it looks like they've bought him out of that and got him in the fold.
0: Yeah, so that—that's an interesting choice. It'll be interesting to see how they manage with him. And um and the uh the third round pick, Sabin uh, Sabeos. Um if they keep Sabeus at shortstop, then I guess maybe Verdig play third. Um, but you know, maybe that's down the road ways. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. And then the rest of the draft is you know not that interesting to me. Um, not to say these guys couldn't develop or or anything like that, but um mostly guys that are that are very much more of the Project. Hey, we like maybe one or two of their skills. Um, uh, let's start with uh, Mitch Ferris, the number fourteen pick out of Wingate. Um, he had a really good performance here, one ninety-two ERA as a as a two-way player for Wingate in his career, and um, also hit very well. But the Braves will only uh, use him as a pitcher. Um, a guy that. We know pretty well Wayne Savati, uh, formerly of uh, Talking Chop, uh, now you know, writing for all bunch of uh, news organizations. Um, and pretty much you know nobody knows D2 baseball better than him. Uh, I'm going to quote him here. One of my filthiest pitchers in D2 this year. Uh, and that's basically due to his ability to miss bats. So um, if Wayne Savati likes a guy, he's usually pretty good.
1: Yeah, and that's and this at this point in the draft, that's a solid project to uh, be able to bring into the fold.
0: Yeah, for example, Savati was on Bruce Zimmerman long before I think anybody ever heard the name, right? And the, and the Braves drafted him, and he was a big component to the um, you know Kevin Gaussman trade later on with uh, Baltimore, and he's still kind of an up up and down guy for Baltimore right now.
1: Yeah, in fact, I think he's done uh, a little time at the major league level so far this season.
0: Yeah. And then the 15th is uh, David Rodriguez, right handed pitcher. Uh, San Joaquin Delta College um, struck out 140 guys and walked only 26, which is good. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, and your and fancy,
1: you and your fancy analytics.
0: Yeah, you know, striking <laughs> up guys and walking fewer guys is generally a good thing. Again, a low 90s four seamer, good slider. So th- we have a type. Yes, we do. Uh, Isaac Gallegos was the 16th pick out of the University of New Mexico. This is the second draft where we've taken someone out of New Mexico, though not the same college. Um, Ian Mejia was last Ian season. Right, right. Ian Mejia was the other one. So, um, so we do. We do apparently have a scout in New Mexico, and he seems to be good enough at his job that he's getting some guys signed. Um, he um, Gallegos uh, was uh, is a two seamer and slider guy, so a little bit different, just a bit. And then seventeenth uh, pick, uh, Cade Kern, outfielder, Ohio State University, uh, another hit tool guy. Um, hit seventeen home runs in his. Uh, Tenure at Ohio State, six foot, two hundred pounds. Um, probably the brace thing; they can get more power out of him.
1: That seems to be a recurring theme in this draft.
0: Yep, eighteenth uh, round pick Cam McGee. Um, he's kind of another all over the infield guy, and um, you know, was you know transferred from Arizona State where he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. Uh, went to Washington State where he did get some playing time and had his best offensive season. Uh, hit 297, 387, uh, 395. Um, has some bloodlines as, as well. His older brother played in the NFL with the uh, Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If anybody remembers, Brandon McGee. And then 19th pick, we got uh, Riley Frey from the University of Wisconsin. Um. guess what he throws?
1: I'm going to say maybe a fastball and possibly a slider or changeup.
0: Um, you're correct on all three of those. <laughs> In fact, this was a trick question. He throws everything. He also throws a two seam and a curveball. ball. So uh, a five pitch repertoire, which I imagine the Braves will ask him to dial uh, back a bit, dial that, that down to maybe three and really concentrate on three. That seems to be kind of what they do. Um, just a, um, you know, another guy that, uh, worked in the Cape this year. And then finally, amazingly, the only catcher they drafted this year after drafting four catchers, I think last year, um, will King out of Eastern Kentucky university. I love this guy's story. Um, so you anybody listening here and paying to the draft would have heard of IMG Academy, which is a prep school, a private prep school in Florida that basically is an is an athlete school, right? It's literally run by an by a sports agency. Yes. And every year a number of baseball players get drafted out of IMG Academy. Well, the, the the manager of East Eastern Kentucky, coming out of the COVID year, was in a bind because he had no catchers. So he thought to himself, "You know, all these pitchers get drafted out of IMG Academy. Somebody has to catch them, right?" <laughs> so he calls them up and asks to speak, you know, to their manager. And say, do you have any, any catchers that want to play at the next level and got in touch with Will King. Now, the thing is, Will King was only 17 years old when he was recruited to Eastern Kentucky, but he had caught all these, you know, high caliber amateur players at IMG Academy. So he immediately came over and, and like straightened out their pitching staff. It's uh uh, you know leadership skills reportedly off the chart uh, he is a three-year collegiate player and he's still only 19 years old
1: that sounds like a guy that Augusta could use next season
0: <laughs> yeah um he's also in the Cape Cod League in fact he's on the same team as Brady Day and uh, he's hit 354 uh, in the Cape Cod League so wooden bats don't seem to phase him. Um, you know, high quality pitching doesn't seem to phase him. Um, I'm really interested to see what comes of Will King, 20th round draft pick here.
1: Yeah, because they've drafted a lot of catchers or signed them as free agents, um, amateur free agents, over the last few seasons. And I mean, some of them have kind of moved up, but uh, like like uh, Zabraski and uh, Javier Valdez and uh, some others like that. But I mean, they're they're pretty loaded at catchers. So, but I think. Augusta would be a really good spot for King and to work with all these new pitchers who are new to the organization and new to pro ball as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was our draft. Uh, I think overall, I don't know, I wouldn't say it was the most exciting draft we've had in a while. that 2019 draft, you know, where we're drafting all those uh, prep guys on day three was uh, probably the most exciting, you know, total draft we've had in a while. Uh, The 2020 draft was just weird, but it's turned out really well. Uh, and then 21. I mean, we already got AJ Smith Schawver to the majors, so that's already a win. Uh, You know, 22 is you know is uh, up in the air, but um, I think 23 is probably a solid draft, um, and uh, with um, some good potential, maybe uh, lower level uh, surprises here. And specifically, I'm looking at uh, Verdig. I'm sorry, Verdung. And um, and Sabeos,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Top heavy, top three of the draft. Uh, some interesting high school projects. Uh, that was the mild surprise here. They only took two high schoolers out of twenty picks, and but they are both very, very high ceiling type prospects. Yeah. And then, I mean, you have a, some guys who may not, not prospects, but they have some interesting tools to work with. Uh, whether it's a certain pitch or a hit tool or Something like that to work with that you can build upon, and that's I mean, the need, especially particularly at the lower levels of the organization right now,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love the high hit tool guys. Um, it looks like we've got a bunch of pitchers that, even if they're not stars, they're going to be quality organizational pitchers, um, which would be useful right now. I mean we've always joked about how how come the 30th ranked uh, farm system always seems to produce guys that contribute to the major league level every single year right um but these lower levels right now they're really feeling the pinch and yeah uh, <laughs> I, I i'm looking forward to seeing how these guys are incorporated here soon
1: yeah and you don't see the There's not really a whole lot of middle infield guys that were picked this year. I mean, Sabalos um, um, as a shortstop, but uh, there's really a glut of that type of player in the organization right now. So it's good to kind of see him, especially uh, like Verdun uh, as a third baseman. I mean, third base is just an absolute wasteland in the organization right now. So it's good uh, to get somebody like him in the mix and where he can move up pretty quickly if he produces.
0: Yeah. All right, you have anything to add, Matt?
1: No, uh, I mean, another solid draft, a little different than we're used to, but, uh, that's goes along with having uh, new guys in charge. But I mean, I think overall it's a solid, solid effort. Obviously not gonna put a grade on it. I mean, it's too, can't do that for years on end, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with how it has initially turned out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The people that are grading drafts now, they're, I don't know what they're thinking.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so we'll be back next week. Cross your fingers. And um, and then after that, we'll be really pushing up on the uh, trade deadline.
1: Yep, that'll be another interesting time. We'll have to <laughs> probably have to change our night that week for producing a show.
0: <laughs> yeah, it might be a little bit later that week. All right, uh, so we'll go ahead and end it here. I hope everyone has a great week.
1: Have a good one.